welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. If you're a visitor, we're so glad that you're with us this morning. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for worship. Uh, before we get started, I've got a quick announcement. Uh, if you weren't aware before you got here, you became quickly aware that our children's ministry, Shine, wasn't meeting this morning, and your kids get to join you today for service. Uh, we do that every fifth Sunday, uh, so we do that four times a year, and we're so glad to have, have those kids with us. We do still have nursery available for birth through four years of age, if you want to use that. Uh, but what I wanted to let you know this morning is Amanda was they we always provide a children's bulletin for them to work on. And Amanda was able to find a Galatians uh, children's bulletin that's actually on the same passage that we're studying this morning. So if you uh, have that this morning, kids, and you complete it, Amanda will be in the foyer afterward to award you or allocate you some ping pong balls. And for those of you who aren't aware, uh, you can bring that up on the screen. Uh, the children's ministry, both Shine and Spark, has been doing a deal where if they, you know, memorize their verse or are good in class or whatever, they'll get a ping pong ball. And you can see their progress so far. This is as you go up to the upstairs classroom. One of the things Amanda discovered after she made that is it holds a lot more ping pong balls than she thought it did. So we've got a lot of ping pong balls to order and have had to order new shipments of ping pong balls <laughs> to fill it up. But uh, the kids are really excited about it. And so, so if you do that this morning, kids, you'll get some more ping pong balls to fill that up. They're going to have, I think, a donut award for the Sunday morning shine and then a pizza party at the end of, of Spark uh, when they finish that up. But our, our volunteers and our children's ministry do an incredible job, and we're so thankful for them and the ministry that they do and all of our volunteers. We wouldn't be able to do anything that we do here at New Covenant without everyone who serves. So we thank you for that. Well, the overarching title for this series uh, that we'll be wrapping up this morning has been the gospel in Galatians. And the gospel just means the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been studying. And as always, we need to be reminded of the context of where we are and what we are studying in the Bible. So this morning, I want to start out giving you just an idea of the context of the letter of Galatians. One of the most overlooked items in this letter is the fact that Paul was writing and presenting the gospel not to Christians, but to non-Christians. Sometimes we as believers uh, think that we've already got this part, that we don't need uh, to, to hear the gospel anymore because we've heard that, we've received that, but we need to realize that we need to continually learn and reapply the gospel to our lives. In Galatians, Paul outlines the fact that the gospel isn't just the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. Throughout Galatians, Paul makes the case to, the, to them that Christ alone is not only sufficient for their total salvation, but he is the only way for their total salvation. In essence, Paul is saying Christ alone is the complete gospel. If the Galatians are to believe what the Judaizers are trying to tell them and what they're trying to add to the gospel, Paul is saying that, in fact, they won't add anything, but they'll lose everything. Jesus Christ isn't a way 
to enter the kingdom. Jesus Christ is the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul's walked us through this process step by step in his letter to the Galatians. In chapters 1 and 2, he gives a defense of the true gospel. He makes it clear that it's coming from the authority of an apostle and it is not a matter of opinion. In chapters 3 and 4, he lays out the freedom in the gospel. And he makes it clear that we can't live in legalism and follow Christ. We either have to live by the law or live in the freedom of Christ. And then finally, in chapters 5 and 6, Paul clearly states that our freedom in Christ gives us freedom to love and to serve others. It's not a freedom for our flesh to do what it desires. We're enabled to do this by walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. And that's going to be our focus this morning. Christ in us, the hope of glory, living in freedom, but now with the ability to love and serve others from a pure heart, from a right heart, by walking in the spirit. Turn with me this morning to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, and then we'll go through the first five verses of Galatians. And uh, one of the things that, that we learn is that uh, the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. Paul just wrote a letter to the Galatians. All that was added later. So really these last few verses of chapter 5 are very important to what we go on to in chapter 6. So we're going to start in verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual... And this word spiritual means filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. Paul's talking to people who are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So he says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of Christ. That's what he said, fulfilled all the law and the prophets. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. There's a lot in these first few verses of Galatians. But what I would like us to focus on is our heart or what we might call our attitude. In verse 26, Paul says, We aren't to be conceited. We're not to provoke one another. We're not to envy one another. And the word conceited can also be the words self-conceited or vainglory or empty glory. It's a deep insecurity. 
It's a perceived absence of honor and glory leading to a need to prove our worth to ourselves and to others. Conceit fixates our mind on comparing ourselves with others. When we judge ourselves as better than someone else, we're puffed up. When we judge ourselves as less than someone else, we're devastated. This is the state, the natural state of our heart apart from God. The word he uses here for provoking means competitive, like challenging someone to a contest. In order to prove that I can beat you, I'm better than you, and I'll prove it by being better than you. That's the state of our heart apart from God. And then he uses the word envying, that we shouldn't envy one another. And this here means to be jealous of, to desire or want what rightfully belongs to someone else. I want what you have. And if I can't have it, at least I don't want you to have it. Envy's in our hearts. That's the way we're born. That's what we are apart from God. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a child playing, including my own children. They were playing with a toy and they were content and they were having fun. And then another child walks in with another toy. And most of the time, after they've looked up and see the other child and the other toy, they won't even look back at their toy. All of a sudden, this isn't good anymore. So as they see that, you'll just see that toy fall out of their hands and roll on the floor, and they pick themselves up, and they start heading to get what I want. I want what you have, because what I have isn't good enough. That's who we are in our own nature. That's who we are apart from God. And no matter how good you think you are in yourself and how good you cover things up and put a veneer on it, that's who we are if we're apart from Christ. We can't be anything else. We can't be anything more on our own. That's who we are. If we walk in the flesh, we'll be conceited. If we walk in the flesh, we're going to provoke other people. If we walk in the flesh, we're going to envy everyone that we see. But Paul says it doesn't have to be that way. We can become a new creation in Christ alone. We can walk in the Spirit Rather than the flesh. Living in the spirit means our flesh has been put to death. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We can't live for something that's dead. And then in chapter 5 verse 1 he says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. In verse 13 of chapter 5, he says we aren't to use our freedom to please ourselves, to please our flesh, to walk in sin, but to serve one another in love. You know, last week we talked about serving one another. 
And did you know we can serve one another and love one another for ourselves? That that can just be another veneer that we put over ourselves to make us look good? Because what I want is to be respected. What I want is to get the praise of others. What I want is approval. And I found if I serve people and let other people know I'm serving people, I get respect. I get honor. I get what I want. So it's not love. It's not serving. It's still about me. It's still about the flesh. It's still about what I want and how I want it and when I want it. That's who we are. And that's all we can be apart from Christ. But in Christ, we're set free from our flesh so that we can love one another in love with a right heart and with a pure heart. So then we get to chapter 6 and Paul starts giving us some specifics. If we are in Christ and are no longer living in the flesh, but in Christ Jesus and walking in the Spirit, we can be both bold and humble and no longer walk in self-conceit or pride or envy or false humility. But we have to understand that both a superior-minded people and an inferior-minded people are both self-absorbed. They are different sides of the same coin. One looks down on others because they are confident in their works and their abilities and they think that that is enough to save them. Or they think they're so good, they're right before God or that they don't need God at all. The inferior-minded person has a false sense of humility. But they're really envious of others. They look down on themselves and wish they were like others. But both are only concerned with themselves. Both are self Absorbed and both are dead in the flesh. Only in Christ, only in walking in the power of the Holy Spirit can we be raised to life, brought into freedom to walk in the Spirit and no longer be controlled by ourself, by death. We're raised to life in Christ, a new creation. The gospel, Christ in us, makes us a new creation. We no longer have a self-image based on comparing ourselves to others. The gospel is the only thing that can make us bold and humble without making us self-confident or self-hating. We have to stop judging and comparing ourselves to others. But we think we're pretty good at it, don't we? We can even make it sound nice. Even make it sound like a positive trait. I'm a good judge of character. Y'all know that? I'm a good judge of character. We're so good at judging, we can judge other people's ability to judge. You know, so-and-so, they're not such a good judge of character. I'm such a good judge of character, I can judge other people's ability to judge character. We've got gifts. We've got talents. The truth is only God 
is a good judge of character. Only he sees the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word, and that word is the spoken, living, prophetic word of God, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How about we leave the judging of the thoughts and intentions of the heart to God? If we do, we can stop comparing ourselves to others. Stop deciding who is above me or below me. But we can only do that if we understand that because we are in Christ, we're a new creation. And it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. This truth humbles us. We can have a true humility before anyone because we're reminded that we too were sinners and it's only by the grace of God that we're now saved. So truth in Christ makes us humble. And the truth also makes us bold before anyone because we're reminded that we are loved and honored by the only one in the universe that counts. The creator of heaven and earth himself so the gospel gives us a humility and a boldness that not only can coexist together but can increase together because in christ we are set free from death in christ we're set free from self in christ we're set free from the flesh with its passions and desires which are self-conceit and a heart of provocation and envy And once we are alive in Christ and dead to the flesh, it doesn't matter what other people think about us. We're set free from caring about the opinions of others. The only approval that counts is God's. My identity, my worth, my righteousness is all in Christ. It is Christ's work. So I am humble and I am Christ's and the father attributes his righteousness to me. So I'm bold. Paul takes the Galatians through this whole process. And now we've walked through this whole process so we can understand that the only way our relationship can be restored with the father is in Christ alone. And the only way that we can love and serve others with a right and pure heart is in Christ alone. By the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, we are made free to serve and love our neighbors as ourselves, out of boldness and humility, not out of self-conceit or provoking or envying. And once we have the right heart, then, but only then, Paul instructs us as Christians to carry one another's burdens. The word that's used here for burden means a weight or a heaviness or trouble. And as it's used in Galatians 6, 2, it can be referred to as bearing one another's troublesome moral faults. The point is that none of us are meant to walk alone. But Paul has taken a lot of time to make it clear that walking with others isn't supposed to be about us. 
It's a mutual relationship of loving and caring for one another out of a right heart, out of a right spirit, which is His spirit, which is His life, His love. Willing to help shoulder each other's burdens. God never intended for us to walk alone. In Genesis 2.18 we read, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Most of you know in this context, God's creating Eve for Adam as a partner, as a spouse. And while God created us male and female, intended us to be in that marriage relationship, we see throughout Scripture there's a general principle that it's not good for us to be alone. God didn't make us to be alone. And Paul reminds us of that in Galatians. We're supposed to help carry one another's burdens and walk alongside each other. I want to share this morning a little bit about my personal testimony and how it's not good to be alone. One of the things that came to my mind as, as we were in worship, though, at our men's breakfast we have once a month, we, uh, I asked different men to share their testimony, and we've probably had 20-plus men at this point share their testimony. But one of the things that stood out through the conversations that I've had with the, the different gentlemen that have shared their testimony is it's a piece of their testimony. It's a part of their walk with Christ and what He did. God's not finished with any of us yet. If you're in Christ, when you came to Him, He just got started. He has a work in you and for you that's going to be going the rest of your life. The potential that He sees in you. The life that He has for you. The plans that He has for you. Philippians 1.6 says, God said, the work that I started in you, I will bring it to completion. And so what I'm sharing this morning is just a piece. He's not finished with me yet either. Thank goodness. Candy was in the first service, but she would amen that. <laughs> she knows the areas that God still has some work to do. So I was, I was alone. When I was, uh, after 7th and 8th grade, I was in a private school, and then I switched to public school. And that's what I wanted. I, I, I wanted to be in public school, and it had been a long battle with my parents to get into public school. But when I got to public school, I was alone. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. The close friend that I had in the private school, he didn't get to switch. So that friendship kind of ended. And actually, they've been here uh, to New Covenant. That friendship got restored by about... 11th grade, but there was a couple years where that friendship kind of got broken because we didn't have a car. <laughs> we didn't have, it's like we couldn't see each other anytime we wanted to. So uh, I go into high school and I'm just alone. And there was a period of time I was in my relationship with God and, I, and He sustained me by all means, but I knew it wasn't good. I was miserable. I was alone. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone around me. And this went on for about a year and a half till I was probably well into 10th grade. And I vividly remember just thinking, you know, God, I don't want to be alone anymore. This isn't fun. I know I have you and, and God can be enough and He would be enough, but He didn't make us to be alone. And so I... I just had this feeling like God was saying, okay, then do something about it. 
And it was scary. And there was fear because I didn't want to step out and approach someone. I didn't want to have the conversation. Candy still has difficulty, and maybe all of y'all do as well, even believing this part of my testimony. Because they're like, you're not afraid of talking to anybody. You'll talk to anybody. You'll, you'll be friends with anybody. But that wasn't true then. And it was very difficult. It was very scary to have a conversation with anyone. And so I started just in one class, having one conversation. And that didn't change my world, but at least I'd spoken to someone. And it kind of went on increment by increment, slowly working. By the end, when I, when I got into my senior year, I actually signed up for speech. And so I started in speech competitions. And really, if I were to be honest, I would say that really all the relationships that I got through this period of time, I would refer to them as... Uh, just very surface level. You know, they were, I talked to them, I would have called them my friends, but the, it wasn't a close relationship. I didn't have a close relationship that could, with someone that could carry my burdens. But God was taking me on a journey and a process that was getting me into places that I would have never gotten to before. And so through that process, I started getting more relationships, more relationships. And then uh, I met the, the guy, another guy that's still a close friend of mine to this day in college. And his memory of me at that time was, oh, he was the kid or the guy that would talk to anybody and be friends with anybody and was outgoing. But the truth was at that point in that moment, I was still full of fear. And it still took everything in me just to have a conversation. And that most of the time, even in those conversations, there was still a loneliness there. How many of you know that you can be an extrovert, extrovert surrounded by people and be alone? That wasn't the end. God wasn't through with me. That was just part of the process. But he, do, he took me to a place through that process where in that I got in relationships with believers where I could walk together where I could share my heart, where they could share their heart with me, and where we could help bear each other's burdens, where we could walk together in Christ. You know, then I met Candy, and we got married. And if you're married, I think I mentioned earlier, that would be your, your first and primary place to have that relationship, to have that person to help walk alongside you. But every man needs brothers in Christ, and every woman needs sisters in Christ to walk alongside them and help carry their burdens. We need that relationship. We weren't meant to walk alone. And that's what Paul is telling us here. But the only way we can do it right, the only way that we can love with a true heart and a pure heart is in Christ and in the Spirit. Otherwise, no matter how good we make it look on the outside, it's still about me. I'm still in this relationship to get something for me. I really don't care if your burden gets lighter or not. I just need something for myself. That's always going to be the root if it's in us, if it's in the flesh, and not walking in the Spirit. Candy and I also, even in our marriage, reached out to close friends, uh, a couple that was elders in, in the church at Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo, during times that we were struggling just in our marriage but we knew them. We knew their relationship with God. We knew that they had a strong marriage. And we said, we need help. 
We need somebody to walk alongside us and help carry this burden and to teach us how to do this better. That wasn't fun. That wasn't easy. It's not fun to lay your whole personal life out and say, I'm falling apart. Our marriage may look good on the outside, but it's not on the inside. We need help. And they didn't turn us away. They didn't reject us or make fun of us. They welcomed us in and said, we'll walk alongside you. We'll help you carry your burden. And that's what we're supposed to do for each other. That's how we live as brothers and sisters in Christ. But it has to start with a relationship. And the burden's on us. You have to reach out. I have to reach out. Candy and I had to reach out. Nobody ever came to us and said, well, y'all look good on the outside, but we're pretty sure you're falling apart. And we'd like to help you because we can fix you. That never happened. We have to take the initiative. And it's scary. And it hurts. And it's hard. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Another word for this lifestyle is discipleship. Jesus didn't give his disciples a weekly one-on-one, one-hour therapy session. He walked with them every day in life. He discipled them. He taught them. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to live together, to live life together, to bear one another's burdens And then in verse 5, Paul says, For each will have to bear his own load. This kind of seems contradictory. But the word load here, it's a different word than the word burden that we read before. The word here is translated as freight or the load of a ship. Kind of the idea of like if, uh, if you, we have several people that drive trucks here, freight trucks. That truck is built to carry that load. A freight ship is built to carry the freight. If you apply it to a person, many people have translated this verse as kind of talking like a backpack, that we have a load that we can carry. And the point that Paul is saying is there are things that God gives us that we are to carry on our own, that we have to be responsible. We can't put everything on other people. But there's also a load, there's also a burden that we would never be able to lift on our own. And in some cases, it's a load even our brothers and sisters in Christ can't help us lift. In those cases, God himself will carry your burden. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, Jesus said, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This takes us back to the fact that we can come to God only through Christ, in Christ alone. Once again, if we are in Christ and we understand this principle, there will be no conceit, no provoking, no envying in us because we understand there's nothing in our flesh that we can boast about. 
The only thing that we can boast in is Christ. And Paul makes this abundantly clear in Galatians 6, verse 14. He says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. In Galatians 6, verse 2, Paul had said, Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. But we just read him say, And now the only thing we can boast in is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It seems like a contradiction, but the truth is it takes us back to the death of self the death of flesh. There's no self-conceit, no provoking, no envying in the cross of Christ. We can't boast in how great we are. It's only the work of Christ. The only thing we can boast in is Christ alone. And in verse 16, Paul references a rule. The rule is Christ alone. Not works. He says, not by circumcision, not by uncircumcision, not by flesh, not by rule following, but by Christ alone. This gospel, this truth, this message of Christ alone is not the ABCs. It's the A to Z. It's the whole story. If we try to live the life that Paul has been warning us about and warning the Galatians about, it's not just a difficult life. It's an impossible life. If we attempt to justify ourselves through the law or acts of the flesh like circumcision, we will not be saved. Salvation comes through Christ alone or not at all. If we truly understand the message of the gospel, it's one of two things. It's either offensive to us or it's the greatest thing we've ever heard. If it's not either offensive or the greatest thing you've ever heard, you don't understand it. You haven't comprehended it. It's nothing in between. Either Christ offends or we see Him as the only way. There's nothing in between. And anyone who doesn't believe that hasn't comprehended the Word. It offends them that there's only one way. It offends them that God would be the one that brings some and doesn't bring others. It offends them. But in Christ, we can walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Christianity is harder than we often imagine because Christ doesn't want some of us. He wants all of us. He doesn't want so much of our money. He doesn't want so much of our time. He doesn't want so much of our work. He wants all of us. He didn't come to torment our flesh or our natural self. He came to kill it. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
In Christ, the old self, the old flesh is dead. It's Christ who is now living in me. Jesus Christ did not come to do a half work in any of us. He isn't pruning a tree. He's not cutting off a dead branch here and there. He wants the whole tree down. The whole old life, the whole dead man has to go away for good. Only in Christ can we be raised into a new creation. And He didn't come just to take care of the things that we wanted Him to. We would all admit we've got areas that it would be nice if this wasn't this way or that wasn't this way. And we're open to Christ dealing with those areas. But when He comes in, He takes the whole thing. He says, I will give you Myself My will will become your will. Coming to Jesus Christ is harder than we ever imagined because He's asking for far more than we ever wanted to give. But at the same time, it's far easier because when we try to hold back part of ourselves, we're saying, I can do it on my own. Maybe some of my good works will add up to some righteousness. Maybe I can be good enough on my own. Maybe I don't need God at all. If we say that, we're saying we can do it on our own. And Christ isn't enough. That Christ alone isn't enough. And then we lose it all. Jesus is intent on making us perfect, whole, complete, a totally new creation in Him. The moment that we put ourselves in His hands, that is what we're in for. Nothing less. That is the only business Christ is in. He can't do anything else. He can't do anything less. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us. And Paul says that it is the only way for us to live in Christ to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh with Christ living in us and no longer ourselves. In Christ alone. It's the only way. And He wants it all. You can't leave anything back. Once, once we give ourselves into His hands, He's going to keep working on it till He's done. Till we're done. Till we're all done. There's no holding anything back. If we do, we're not in Him. We haven't fully committed. We haven't given Him our whole life. We're still holding on to the works. We're still holding on to the law that I can do it myself. We have to realize it's only in Him. It's only in Christ. In Philippians 1.6, He says, I will finish the work that I started in you. I will bring it to completion. God starts it. He does everything in the middle and He finishes it. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's harder because He wants it all, but it's easier because He gives it all. But we have to give it all too. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the work that you did. We have to give it all, but Lord, you gave it all first. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak 
to hearts and minds this morning that don't know you, Father, and draw them to you that they might come to you this morning, that you may make them a new creation this morning. And Lord, I pray for all of us who are in Christ, Lord. Thank you that your work's not done, that you continue to transform us day in and day out through the work of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, Lord. Let us hear your voice in every day. Humble ourselves in the fact that we know it's only in Christ that I'm saved, that I'm a new creation, and to be bold for you in Christ because it's only your approval that we have through Christ that we're accepted and redeemed. Give us a righteous boldness and a righteous humility to be witnesses for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.